You're listening to an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and this is an extra shot podcast for our series, Holy Grounds, where we ask real people about their experiences with spiritual practices. I am so excited to welcome Janelle Sakima Roberts on the show today. Janelle, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Janelle, gosh, tell us about yourself. Um, what do you do? Who are you? <laughs> Um, my name's Janelle, and I currently live in Lee Summit, Missouri, um, a suburb of Kansas City. And um, I have a great husband named Doug and two kids, um, Drew and Reese. They're four and seven. And my work during the work day, work week, is I'm a pediatric dentist. And yeah, so that's me. I'm a member of the Community of Christ Church. And I'm an ordained minister. And yeah, what else do you want to know? (laughs) And it goes without saying you have incredibly good teeth. Oh, well, yeah, that's a requirement to get into dental school, I think. Absolutely it is. So (laughs) Janelle, thanks for again for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you about um, spiritual practices. I uh, just to give the listeners a little bit of background. I've known Janelle since our time at Graceland University back in the Oh, sorry, Janelle, late 90s. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, she and I have been really good friends for a long time. And I've just been really impressed by um, how much she's gotten into spiritual practices and how she has made them part of her everyday life. So, Janelle, why don't you tell us about what spiritual practice you use to best connect with the divine? Well, I will start by saying I feel like an infant toddler in this area of my life. So my um, nudge was pretty strong at one of our church women's retreats in the late summer, actually in September. And um, the nudge of just be still was basically what I kept hearing is be still and be quiet. Um, I tend to talk a lot in my job and a lot at home with kids. And um, so being still and quiet seemed very difficult. Um, So I would say just about three months now, I've been waking up in the morning about 20 minutes earlier than I normally would have set my alarm clock before September and uh, basically go out into my kitchen, unroll a yoga mat and sit in the middle of that yoga mat in a very dim, dimly lit kitchen um, and set a timer on my phone and I sit there and it's really hard (laughs) to do when I'm super tired, but I found really big, um, benefits to doing that. So you do that, you plan to do that every single morning. Yeah. So it's become a habit or at least a routine. And, um, I started doing it from the spiritual or or the, um, women's retreat. And, um, I wake up in the morning and and go out there and, (laughs) 
sometimes uh, my brain typically wakes up with a lot of thoughts and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do. So for me, this is my, it's kind of like a daily vitamin that you would take for your body health. It's for me to have some mindful health before I head out for my day. Um, And some days it's easier to sit still and quiet and some days it's not as easy. So Janelle, how does doing this practice change you or change your day? I found that in the mornings when I'm able to be still and pay attention to the emotions that I'm feeling and the thoughts that are going through my mind, that I am able to be less reactive throughout my day and more um, calm and peaceful about things that come up. Yeah. I don't think that my days are ever that different. Like, I mean, they are, but I think they're, they're steady things that come throughout our days for whether we're working or interacting with family. But I know that the days that I sit still, even for five minutes, um, I use the word frequency. I feel like I'm, I'm working at a better frequency, like a higher level of love and, compassion when I go through those daily struggles or daily interactions, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It does. Um, so can you, um, I know you say that you go out to your kitchen and you, you unroll the yoga mat and sit in the yoga mat, but can you walk us through the practice? Like how do you, do you do breathing or do you, and I know you said you say the prayer afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's the very end. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's evolved. It hasn't always been the same thing. And I feel like I'm different as I go through this practice of being still and listening to the divine in within me. So different things work um, for me on different times in my life or different days even. So I sort of try to figure that out in the morning if I can, if I'm not too sleepy. But my basic thing is... Um, to sit and breathe. And I feel like that sounds so simple <laughs> and it, it, it can be, but it also <clears throat> paying attention to my breath really can help me focus on my, my, my body and what um, isn't internally happening. And um, I can be present with myself rather than what I'm about to do in 20 minutes or in two hours or what I didn't do yesterday, but focusing on just the air coming in and the air leaving um, starts to become um, very um, calming, and it also can really bring me into the moment. Actually, it doesn't sound easy at all. I I've, I try to meditate too, and I, I find it really difficult because the distractions just keep coming. How do you deal with that? Or do you have any tips for someone who has a lot of distractions going through their heads? Well, something else that I found very helpful in these first three months is there is an app um, called Headspace. And they actually have a 30-day, like in segments of 10 days at a time or 10 meditations at a time. And they're 10 minutes long. And they have little minute-long videos before you do it that sort of help you figure out how to quiet your mind. So I found that really helpful. And so I know that this sort of sounds for me to sit still and meditate, I guess, was a little bit out there. (laughs) So I, I am somebody that just wants to kind of be doing all the time. So to sit still and not do anything felt very 
awkward. So this app actually was recommended by a friend and it, and it's been helpful in just kind of figuring out how the mind works. And so I become more of a watcher of those, those thoughts. So one of the suggestions was if you're sitting on the side of a road and there's cars going, you know, every direction and you can call one car anger, one car sadness, one car, you know, all the different emotions that you feel. And so rather than run out into the middle road and kind of get banged up by these cars, you stop and you breathe and you watch these cars go by and the traffic that's happening versus just running out and sort of being a victim to them (laughs) in a way. Oh, how interesting. um, I've, I've been more intentional about feeling the emotion and also being being an observer of the emotion that I have in the mornings. Um, sometimes it's anxiousness about what I have to do for the day. Sometimes it's frustration of what I didn't do the day before. So becoming more present with what those emotions, um, like just looking at them as an observer of them rather than the one in them, it's really helped, helped me a lot. That is a really interesting way to look at it, just to take a step back. And it sounds like you are just taking a step back. You're taking a step back from not your life, um, but you're just stepping away and, and being an observer. Does that sound about right? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, there's a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and he talks about being the watcher of your emotions and um, and just that present moment being really what what we've got going on at the time. So um, just sort of being there and feeling every moment of what we're doing, which I believe for me has been very, very hard because there's usually a lot of things I have to do and a lot of things that I need to do to do those things. <laughs> so <laughs> to just actually be sitting with my body on the floor in my kitchen for 10 minutes in the morning um, has been powerful because I've realized that I haven't been doing that in just those five to 10 minutes has really changed how I think about what I do all day long because I've seen the benefits of actually breathing in the moment. So I'll catch myself um, in a in a busy moment, um, whether it's an interaction with a patient in my office or with my kids or with my husband, and I will I will actually breathe in and breathe out, and it and it will now come naturally because that's what I know I can do to really get myself into the present moment. So the benefits of what you do for five or 10 minutes of the morning are affecting your entire day. It sounds like you're affecting you in really positive ways. Yeah, I would say the days I meditate and are just quiet and listen to the divine within me are the days that I will see the divine more in others, which then makes me better because I act more compassionately and more calmly and more peacefully. So, I mean, it's like, when you think about that benefit, it's like, why won't I, wouldn't I do this? So I think that's why I've been doing it so much because I'm like, wow, this is really working. Yeah. That this is really, um, no, don't get me wrong. I still (laughs) have moments of, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was definitely not a very (laughs) good way to interact through that. But I also have now learned to be compassionate on myself and learn that that was still an experience and I have something to to gain from that experience and to know that that's part of being human and that we we make mistakes. And um, so I've learned more self-compassion, 
which I think has been huge because I have a perfectionist drive in me. And um, that's usually where the the ego sort of hijacks the moment and, and takes me for a ride sometimes. So um, I can now kind of call it when it's happening or at least soon after it happens, which helps. Yeah, that's that's really cool. That's really important to main, help maintain relationships. <laughs> that ego can really get in the way of some relationships. I know. Yes. So I know you mentioned about um, being first kind of turned on to this meditation from a women's retreat you went to in September, but was there something before that that had, did you get turned on to it uh, before that? Or was that really just the moment when you decided I really want to do something like this? I've heard many from many different sources, um, friends, you for one had mentioned that you do it um, with, with friends and and have done a group meditation practice. Um, and I have always been curious, and I feel like there's something to curiosity. If it kind of keeps coming up and keeps coming up, then get more curious and mm-hmm. figure out why is that idea or that thought still present in your mind and in your life. So I think that was really just kind of the last straw was that women's retreat when someone actually said in a group setting, I think we have a problem with being quiet try just being quiet for 15 minutes a day. And I was like, well, if that's not something I'm supposed to pay attention to, I don't know what is. Right. So, but I've been reading um, some different um, books and um, we have youth camps throughout the summers. And I had done a few classes for high school age um, youth that go to our camps and um, been working on things for their classes and things that kept coming up were mindfulness and how to keep your brain healthy and how to keep your mind healthy and um, how that's all connected to your body and spirit. And so that's all been very interesting to me for a long time. And I've done yoga enough to know there's a body connection to spirituality. And so I've wondered how, how do we get the mind there? So this is sort of that, that piece to it. Yeah. So you've mentioned a couple, uh, uh, you've mentioned twice now that you've read a couple books and you've also mentioned the Headspace app, which I'm really looking forward to looking at. Is there any other resources that you would, um, turn people on to if they were interested in learning more about meditation and things that you have just found helpful? Um, I, there are a few books. Um, Buddha's brain is one called in its happiness, love and wisdom. Um, it's by neuroscientists and colleagues. And I think I'm being a science person, really enjoy reading the science behind the way our minds work. And, um, that was, that's been helpful to sort of connect the scientific piece to how meditative, um, practice can improve your, your overall health, as well as um, connect you spiritually. Uh, And then um, the Headspace app is just the most recent one. Um, There are a few others. I don't know them all by (laughs) by the name, but, um, and then some are free, which is nice. And then you can pay if you want to have a more subscription to more options. But um, it's just a nice way to start because it times you. So you don't have to pay attention to your phone or your, you know, clock and it sometimes will have like a little bell that will play in the background, which helps kind of the meditative um, mood to be present. And I think the main thing is really just doing it. Um, well, thanks, Janelle, for letting us know about those apps and, and books. Buddha's brain sounds really interesting. Yeah, it is. And I, I haven't gotten through it all the way. It's definitely a scientific book, so it takes a little while to really absorb it all. 
but yeah, I, um, friend recommended it and it's definitely helped. It actually goes through step-by-step ways to do meditative practices. And uh, so it's been very helpful. Wow. Well, well, thanks for talking about this personal practice that you do. I, I know it's, you know, sometimes when we start talking about it, then people start asking us about it. So then there's, you know, a feeling that maybe we don't really want to talk about it because then we'll be accountable. So I appreciate you being courageous and talking about it. Um, another, another resource, um, is I went to a, um, a conference for women in leadership roles in business. And it was through my work that I went and, Malika Chopra, who's Deepak Chopra's daughter, was one of the speakers. And it just happened to be about um, intention and how to set your intention. She gave a a story about herself and how, you know, she had pursued all these different things in her life. But then she would find herself like driving her kids to soccer practice and just being in a car all day. And she's like, "I'm I'm just a soccer mom how can I be more intentional about what I'm doing every day rather than just driving myself to and from my kids' soccer practices? And she said something that actually I wrote down that I added to my daily um, ending of my time where I'm quiet. So whether it's the five minutes or 20 minutes that I'm able to do. And she said that she um, asks herself four questions. And these were four questions that her father would ask her and her brother when they were really little. And the first question was, who am I? And then you listen. And the second question was, what do I want? And she said when she was little, her brother, and and she used to say like, oh, we want to go to Hawaii. And he would say, no, what, what do you want in this world, in this life? And what do you want to do? You know, what do you want? Think, you know, and he challenged them. So she said that helps her to set her intention every day. And the third was, how can I serve? And the fourth is, what does the universe want from me? And so I ask myself those questions, and I say them with very intentional breath. And then I say our mission prayer, which is very close to those four questions. It's asking, um, uh, you know, how, um, how can I serve and help me be awake and give me the courage to risk something new and be a blessing of love and peace? So I feel like that's sort of a my closure. And that's just become a personal way that I finish off my morning time so that when I am done with that, I can move about my day and hopefully in a more peaceful way. But I really grabbed onto that when she said those four questions on who am I? What do I want? How can I serve? And what does the universe want from me? Thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. And I love Deepak Chopra. He's amazing. (laughs) I have no doubt his daughter is equally amazing. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Wow. Well, thanks again for sharing that personal practice, because I I know that once you put something out there and say, this is what I do, and this is who I am, um, and this is a really important part of me, people now know, and they might start asking you about it. So I really hope that... um, you, you, well, I want to thank you actually for being courageous and doing that. So, um, so that's a personal practice that you do. Do you have a favorite group spiritual practice that, um, that you can tell us about? Well, I think that the most spiritually connected I feel when I'm in a group, I would say by a landslide for me would be when I go to our church camps throughout the summer. 
and even throughout the year doing retreats or um, that kind of gathering um, because it's an intentional getting away from your house and you're going to a place to meet with a group and most of the time they're in really beautiful settings. Um, you're in nature. And also we're being intentional about what we're doing every day. So as a staff member, if it's a youth camp, um, we do these nightly devotions where we kind of debrief our day but make it a spiritual practice. And we'll ask kids, and I know, Carly, you do this as well. Like we used to serve as counselors together where we would ask the kids, you know, what was a high moment of your day? What was a low moment? And when did God show up? And just asking them to do that every night really created this power of them being present with their day and kind of calling it and naming the divine. And I've used that with my own kids where we, at the end of the night we were like, all right, what was a good thing? What was a bad thing? And when did you see God? And, you know, sometimes they're silly and sometimes they're serious. Sometimes they're sad. Um, and then sometimes they're they're surprising. <laughs> right. You're like, oh that's when you saw God. That's interesting. You know, and, and I think that it's just a conversation that gets to be had every night. And so it makes them pay attention more. And, um, that's been, that's been my favorite group practice, um, with youth or with people my own age or, um, older people. I mean, it's, it's just a neat, it's a neat practice to do as a group. It is. I, and the more I get into spiritual practices and the more I talk to people about them and the more I, I learn about them. I realize that it really, really is the simple things that mean mm-hmm. the most, you know, like you focusing in on your breathing. I mean, we breathe all day, every day, and we haven't stopped since we were born. Right. But focusing in on it makes a difference or, or saying, what was the best part of your day? The worst part of your day? And when did God show up? Those are three simple questions and yet it changes people and it changes things. So I'm just reminded over and over how, this is kind of just simple stuff, <laughs> but it takes practice and work. Yeah, it is so simple. And if there's, you know, a new counselor on staff for a camp that sometimes they're like, well, what do I do for devotions? You know, and I know for me, you know, praying out loud in a group isn't something I feel super comfortable doing or even like reading Bible verses like that's just not something that connects me like right away. And I, and, you know, just to say like, it's this simple what was good, what was bad, you know, and what, when did you feel the divine in the moment? And, and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. So, I can handle and that. It, and it, when you simplify it and then that's what, I mean, even our, our kids, when they were three and five, even we started doing that and they, um, you know, they get it, they get it over time. They definitely get like, Oh yeah, that was a good moment. I'm going to, I'm going to say that when we ask about good moments or, um, and a lot of times the good moments are also the divine moments, which I think is cool to connect that. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that too. I appreciate that. I, I love thinking about those times at church camp because you know, they're really special to me too. So Jen, we're coming close to the end of our time. I was wondering if you have any stories that you want to share about like something that has happened during your spiritual practice or something like that. Anything? I do. I do. When I was Probably just starting this out, I would say within the first couple weeks, uh, I was getting up early and still real groggy. I still am groggy walking out to the kitchen. And uh, I was sitting on my mat and I hear the footsteps coming up behind me as I'm with my eyes closed, breathing. And it's my four-year-old daughter, Reese, and she's tapping me on the shoulder. And 
asking me why the lights are off and I'm sitting here in the middle of the dark. <laughs> That's a, and, a good um, question, actually. And and so I'm, I'm like trying to be quiet and breathe and focus. And then um, something that an author, Marianne Williams said, William, Marianne Williamson said in um, her book, A Return to Love, and I think it was even a lecture, she was speaking about that book. And she said, yeah, with little kids, you just say, you know, okay, let's be quiet now because I'm going to listen to God for 10 minutes. And she said, you don't, you know, say I'm going to meditate or, you know, kids, if you just say like, we're going to listen and we have to be really quiet because God's going to be speaking. So I said that to her. So I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I heard this from somebody that, you know, seemed to find that it it worked for them. And so so I told her, let's be quiet now because, you know, 10 minutes and we need to hear what God has to say. And so she got it after a while, you know, and she still would kind of like tell me like she had to go, you know, I have to go potty now, I'll be back. You know, I'm like, okay, okay, just do what you need to do. (laughs) (laughs) So after some time, it it started, she knew that that's what I did in the morning. And so just this last um, month, I was out, we were out visiting my family in California and um, I was putting the meditation through my earbuds because I didn't want to like wake everybody up where we were staying and I had my eyes closed and when I opened them, she was sitting right across from me and she was sitting the way I was sitting, kind of like a mirror image. And I was like, whoa, I don't even know how long she's been here. (laughs) So um, it was really powerful. And my husband has a picture that he took of her up on a rock on a playground that wasn't that long after when I started doing this. And she was sitting in like cross-legged and her hands on her knees and had her eyes closed and said she was doing yoga like like her mom. So I thought, all right, well, it's it's something that other that she's paying attention to and hopefully the benefit is not just for me, but it can be for for others. Um and so I thought, wow, for a four year old to be sitting there and I didn't even have a clue that she was across from me for the ten minutes. I, I don't know how long she was there for, but I opened my eyes and it was almost startling. <laughs> I was yeah. like, Oh, you've been here. So, um that was that was pretty powerful. I thought, All right, she's four and she can do this. So And I know Reese and I know sitting still is not necessarily one of her gifts. No, so what it you're is, what it you're, is not. <laughs> no, what so what you're offering her is something incredibly powerful and I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but I think it was the Dalai Lama who said, if we taught all kids to meditate, there would never be war again. And I fully believe that. So thank you so much for doing your part in teaching your children what you're doing and and speaking about it. I think that's really important. Well, you're welcome, but (laughs) it's definitely (laughs) my my gratitude for what I'm just learning from all the other other people that are out there doing it too. So I'm passing it on. That's right. Well, Janelle, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. I I appreciate hearing your story. I appreciate hearing, you know, that it's not always easy, even for spiritual gurus like you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm not quite in that category, but it definitely has changed me. And I love being in conversation with people about it now. It doesn't feel as weird <laughs> as it used to, um, because now that I'm practicing it, I'm like, oh, it's it's a practice, and and it's definitely worth doing as a practice. Absolutely, so, it sounds I hope like others find it helpful. I yes, I hope so too, and it just sounds like it's been really meaningful to you, and I I appreciate you sharing that with us. 
Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on the on the podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jan- Janelle. And everyone, we're signing out from the Project Zion podcast on the series Holy Grounds. The views expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official views of the Latter-day Seekers team or of Community of Christ. The music has been provided by Ben Howington. You can find his music at mormonguitar.com 